the free for all roundtable brought to you by lexus avon canada's newest lexus dealer in the maple auto mall near rutherford at highway 400 luxury is closer than you think round one Jerry Agar in for John Moore today. I'll be here Monday and Tuesday with you as well. And then he's back from short vacation on Wednesday. Joining me on the free for all, Dave Trafford, host and producer of On the Ledge, the Ontario Politics Podcast, and Lisa Raitt, former cabinet minister. Um, good to have you along. Let's start with this. One of the mayoral candidates, Anthony Fury, made a pretty surprising kind of announcement this morning in his campaign to become the next mayor of the city of Toronto. He went over to Union Station early this morning and said, And I don't want to be in this position where we have to file a lawsuit against our partners in all of this, but this is what it has come to. And we got to start making some noise, folks, because it's no longer acceptable to take this laying down. Okay, uh, Lisa Raitt, how do you react to that? So great media, first of all. So good for him for getting the soundbite early in the morning. But listen, there's lawsuits all the time against people who have contracts for discussion. For construction that aren't on time or on budget. Is this the right time to do it? I don't know, but certainly raising the possibility of bringing a litigation in order to deal with the obvious overruns is a strategy. And I don't know whether or not he has any information that allows him to say it's the right time to do it now, but nonetheless, it's it could be valid. Um, but right now, it just seems like it's about getting some attention to his campaign and it'll work. Well, it will get, yes, of course, it's designed to get attention to his campaign. As a politician, you know, that's job one when you're running for the job uh, is to get your name out there. However, there's a lot of frustration with Metrolinx. And he says if, if he did win a lawsuit, he would give the money to the businesses in BIA along uh, Eglinton. So, Dave Trafford, what do you think of it? Well, uh, you, clearly, this is he's tapped into that level of frustration that is just swirling around Metrolinks right now. And, uh, you know, good on him to, as Lisa points out, he's, he's got the soundbite early in the morning. We're talking about it as a great opportunity for, for earned media. The challenge that it, it, we have here is that this is a public-private partnership. And the whole slogan behind P3s was on time, on budget. And I just looked it up. They laid the first bit of track in August of 2017, and they celebrated that. Since then, there's been nothing but problems, including the fact that Bombardier was not going to be able to deliver their vehicles on time, and that was going to delay the whole thing. So Metrolinx was on the hook for a $5.3 billion fine in, in uh, the context of that consortium agreement. So the whole challenge here is to figure out who are we blaming Ideally, it should be the consortium who's on the hook for all of this, as based on you know the the nature of public-private partnerships. Uh, to sue Metrolinx is like you know suing the intermediary, the the, the supplier uh, at, in the middle of the of the uh, of the deal. I get it. I get why he's doing it because Metrolinx is the easy target here. But you know it's a stunt. Well, they're in charge, Dave. No, they're not. It, it, the way a P3 works, Jerry, is is that the 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 private partner is supposed to take up a significant amount of the risk. So if they don't do that, then they are on the hook for those costs. The challenge here is is that time in and time again, they have always been in a place where the 
private sector, the, the consortiums, have gotten away with murder in all of these. So it's, a, it's, it's the ability to enforce the P3 contract. It's a disaster. That's not necessarily Metrolink's fault because it wasn't necessarily negotiated by them. Infrastructure Ontario is heavily involved here. Where are they? So there are other bodies. There are so many people involved in this soup, making the soup. It's, a, it's an issue. The yeah. private sector consortium, though, is the one who's not delivering. Yeah, they're all standing in a circle pointing at each other, and the, and, the, exactly. and the citizenry is screwed. Courtney Betty, Toronto lawyer of Betty's Law, joins us on the panel. From a legal perspective, what kind of chance does a guy like Anthony Fury have bringing a lawsuit against Metrolinx? I don't know about Anthony Fury, but I do think that the people that are um, owning stores on Eglinton Avenue, there's a lot of U.S. case law, Jerry, that actually says that these individuals may have a right to bring a claim. So it's, it's not unusual. There was a successful claim against Metrolinx. Um, it was only about $20,000 before. Um, and I think that there will be other claims. The question is, you know, whether it's going to come from the city or is it going to come from private individuals? Metrolinx is at risk. Here's one more thing from Anthony Fury. Fiasco, boondoggle, total mess. Okay. Uh, that was his summation. That's the P, that's the P3 motto now. <laughs> <laughs> he named all three there. Uh, so That's it. Uh, the Ford government is going to keep tabs on offenders out on bail. They're going to supply $112 million to police forces to go around and uh, check on people who were supposed to be under house arrest or whatever their, uh, their bail conditions are, that they are following those bail conditions. And Lisa Wright, the reaction I've been feeling from people this morning we're writing in during the show is... Um, there's a lot of other problems, but hey, it's a good step. What do you think? Yeah, my gut on this one, Jerry, was um, that's good. And I think I thought of the case last year where we lost uh, an OPP officer, I believe, and to somebody who was out on bail, who had been lost in the system for about a year. Nobody was checking in on him. And you can see that as being the motivation for something like this legislation coming forward. I don't have a problem with it at all, but I'm also a law and order conservative. Well, as a lawyer, then, how do you look at it, Courtney? Well, I mean, to me, it's also about the financial side of it. You know, we don't need all all this funds to be spent on police officers. We have electronic means of tracking individuals that are, you know, really just as good. So to me, I, you know, you can actually be restricted to your house, which is really a lot of the situations that you should be if you're out on bail is restricted to your house or restricted from attending in a certain area. To me, that's just a, that's just a, a technology that's there for everyone. Well, there was, uh, I'll tell you guys something. Uh, I think this is kind of funny. I knew a guy who robbed a bank, and he was on house arrest, and they had an ankle bracelet on him and everything. And his friends, this is what your friends will do to you. Um, the, his friends would phone him, and he would answer the phone, hello? And, and they go, oh, glad I caught you at home. <laughs> so um, th there's there's a new website for tenants to rate landlords. It's apparently exploding in popularity. This is no different than people renting uh, rating the hotel they stayed at, renting the restaurant, uh, rating the restaurant they went to. Is this a good idea or a bad idea, Dave? What do you think? I looked at the site this morning, and all it is is a bunch of ranting, and I'm not even clear that the people who are on the site are the tenants. Um, it, it, in some cases, it sounds like it's the neighbors who aren't pleased with the way the property is being uh, kept up, and it's all anonymous. So, um, I'm, I, except for venting and ranting, I'm not quite sure what the end result could possibly be here.
Well, it's all anonymous uh, to a large degree, Courtney. If I look at the ratings on a, a restaurant or a hotel, I look at the predominance of what people have to say. And if most of them say the restaurant's good, I'll go there. If most of them say otherwise, then I'll make another choice. I guess it could be the same with the place I'm thinking of renting. Well, absolutely. I mean, the problem right now is that you just can't find places where you have choices in the first place. But that's another issue. But I do think it's a great idea. Um, you know, I usually take a glance and see just what the ratings are before I go somewhere. So at least, you know, with 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 this now, um, landlords may actually be more conscious as well, because that's what happens when you know you're going to be rated with even in an Uber. You're going to be a little bit more conscious in terms of how you operate. One of the big problems that we have in the province of Ontario is some families can't find a family doctor. And then the Globe and Mail tells us dozens of training slots for family doctors will go unfilled across the country this year, with the number of vacancies doubling in Alberta, development that suggests Canadians without family doctors could continue to struggle to find them. Uh, there were about 100 positions in family medicine that went unfilled. This is a national thing, but Lisa Wright, that still uh, comes down to some of them in Ontario. I don't know how you solve this problem. If people don't want to be family doctors, they don't want to be. Well, it's not just it's not necessarily about want to be. I, I looked at the article and when you dig into the numbers, what it shows is that it's uh, it's 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 society made rules that's kind of impeding it. So in the case of Alberta, um, they said that they're not going to be accepting international applications in in the second round. And in the case of Quebec, they're having a really hard time. That's where the bulk of this is, is Quebec. And it's because they want French to be spoken. And not everybody who is applying for these positions has French in order to be able to communicate in the province. So that's those are the two things. But it's very emblematic of the of the whole situation with respect to health, which is we have these societies or we have these groups that put different rules on top of what is expected for um, a graduating student to come in. And we end up self-selecting them out and and having these kinds of shortages. So it's worth taking a look at the bureaucracy that's preventing us from being able to fill the positions. I think people do want to do family medicine. I just think that they're getting stymied by rules that are there to protect I guess, uh, a profession. Well, one of the things that I think is an ongoing problem in a number of areas, Dave, is this idea that we have in education, we have it in healthcare, that we can build a one-size-fits-all, wonderful system everybody will be happy with. And you can't do that, And there's, but there's no option for a doctor to say, okay, but option A doesn't work for me to be a family doctor, but I can do option B and be a family doctor. There is no option B. Well, you know, I think that the, to Lisa's point, though, this is all run by the provinces. Each province has its own jurisdiction and, and relationship with physicians and the various specialties. But 73 of the 110 vacancies in family practice were in Quebec last year or this year, I guess. So it, it, it just it comes down to where at what point do we have? I, I get your point. You can't have one size fits all, but it would be nice to have one throat to choke on some of this stuff just to make sure that. <laughs> We've got we've got a, some central authority or some central you know ballast that allows us to say that yes there are there's room for regional uh, change here but at the same time there is equal access across the provinces uh, to family health care as for example Courtney do you have a family doctor for your family um, I, I I do but here's here's a challenge and I think Dave is absolutely right you know this this is much bigger than just the doctors. It's our entire healthcare system, which is run by the provinces. 
And in many situations, you have provinces competing against each other. There's no regulatory framework that is national. And so we're going to continue having this situation where we need a family doctor, but then individuals are having vacancies to get family doctors. It's, it's just the bureaucracy that we have right now um, that's creating this challenge. Lisa, how much fun did you have watching the Leafs last night? Oh, I wish I had more fun, Jerry. There's the answer. I wish I had more fun. You know, I, I actually stayed overnight in downtown Toronto thinking that, my, with my 18-year-old, thinking that, wow, we're going to have an opportunity to watch the town really be excited and yeah, I was disappointed. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no. Don't but there's Saturday night. But yeah. there's Saturday night. Well, that's right, Dave. It's always the next game. It's always next year. The Leafs are going to get it done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with Lisa on this. I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted from all of this um, because I've, I've been so invested in this team this year. And you know what? Quite frankly, I think this might be the best Leaf team I've ever seen. And I've been watching them for a long time. If they can't, if they can't get past this series, I, I, oh my God, I don't know what we're gonna do. Yeah, you kind of feel like Jays fans did last year, except it's not the same, uh, you know, number of years that they've been uh, waiting. Do you think, Courtney, that actually going up three games to one and then blowing the whole thing is a possibility? Yeah. You know, I, I really do think that they're going to come back and Saturday is going to be a great day. Toronto's just been disappointing us for so long. They've got to change. And I think this is the week it's got to happen. I'm, I'm optimistic. Well, sports fans need to be. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks to Dave Trafford, Courtney Betty, and Lisa Rate. That's round one. Catch the round table. Round one at 745. Round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.